am ready to go for this new series. I want to encourage you before we dive into the word. I have a lot of scripture today. And so maybe you're new to the things of church or to the Bible. Um, no need to, to be afraid. Um, just, just want you to ride with us, row with us. Uh, this, I almost said this morning, this afternoon. Uh, this is our third rodeo. We got one more after this. But um, just roll with us. And um, just, I, just, I want to encourage you to open your heart, open your mind. Um, we are a very balanced church in terms of our teaching. Um, so our, our, our previous series, Multiply, was extremely practical. Um, this series is on the other side of the spectrum. This is a spiritual series. But it's not spooky. It's not super deep. Um, but it's also based on, on the soil of your heart. And so I've been praying all week, number one, for you. Our staff uh, walked around uh, the main throughout the week on Tuesday, and we prayed over every chair. We prayed for you before you got here. We prayed for protection because we are going to expose Satan today. I'm going to teach you about Satan and about um, spiritual warfare. Um, and so at the very least, you can learn some. So let's just open our minds and our hearts. Let's get ready to dive in. A lot of scripture. You guys ready to go? Yes. Someone say realm. Ram. All right. Let's get into it. Let's open up with the word of God because it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what his word says. And uh, we're going to open up in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And it says this here. Here it is. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. I love this. Lean into this right here. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. What we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So um, the world, you know, the, the trees and the water and the birds and the animals and, and the sky and us and our children and the buildings, all of that stuff, all of this stuff, all of this did not originate from anything that you can see. It came from what we cannot see. It came from what we cannot touch, we cannot feel, we cannot taste. Only when God opens our eyes and our ears to the spiritual can we then see it. And so um, let, let's go ahead and define the spiritual realm. I'll give you a description of it um, from our standpoint as humans. Go ahead and write this down. The spiritual realm is uh, we cannot see with our eyes. We cannot see the spiritual realm with our eyes. Um, the physical realm, though, in contrast to that, is we can experience with our senses. We can experience the physical realm with our senses. So we can touch, touch taste, hear, feel, smell. It is not so with the spiritual realm. And so with that, we need the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's God in your heart. You need the Lord to open you up to the true reality of what's going on yeah. in the world. And a couple statements here, just some powerful statements I think you just need to take home. I try to make it very simple, very understandable. I was telling my wife we were going on a walk yesterday. I was like, she asked me how was my studies. I said, man, it's, I said, spiritual warfare is from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. It's not like you're studying through the book of Philippians, right, like we did in the summer. But it is all throughout the scripture. And, and so I personally had a very heavy week studying. So um, let's help each other, right? Let's smile at me from time to time and 
I know the devil's upset, and so, you know, and, and so let, let's, let's be in this together. But go ahead and write these things down. The physical comes from the spiritual, according to Hebrews 11.3. The physical comes from the spiritual. Another simple statement is the physical exists within the spiritual. It exists within the spiritual. Um, so simply put, if, um, if this phone is the universe... And it's kind of crazy to even try to describe it because you can't. It's bigger than even this description, but just an illustration. If my phone is the universe, the spiritual realm is this room, right? We would otherwise say, like, if this is the Milky Way galaxy, the room is, I mean, you know, the, the universe. No, this phone is the universe. And so like the world is the spiritual realm, <laughs> You know, I don't know. Just trying to help you see how, how vast it is. Go ahead and write this down. The spiritual is greater than the physical. It's greater in power. It's greater in size. Um, it was here before the world, and it will be hereafter when Jesus comes back and redeems the world. And then this is important. This is going to help us kind of turn the corner into spiritual warfare. The spiritual and the physical interconnect. They are interconnected, meaning that as humans, we pray to God and Jesus, our Lord, said that the father is spirit. John 4, 24, if you need the scripture, the father is spirit. So we humans pray to a spirit to work in the physical realm. Right. And God is always working in the world, whether we know it or not. God is everywhere at all times and he manifests himself in different ways. Um. And so, and then um, there are also other gods or lowercase g's. Uh, you can also nickname them or call them demons that people interact with, sometimes knowingly and unknowingly, based upon the values that we hold in our heart and the way we live our lives. We interact rather ignorantly or knowingly with the spiritual realm. Okay, let's define realm. Someone say realm. All right. Once again, a lot of learning, a lot of foundation. Next week, we're going to bring Jesus into this. And he's going to show us that he has authority over all of the enemy's schemes and his plans. And I'm going to give you some practical ways to engage spiritual warfare. But this week, we've got to do a lot of teaching, okay? Realm, let's go ahead and write this down. A realm is a kingdom or area over which a sovereign reigns. So a realm... And so we believe as Christians that God is king. And God, the image of God, is three in one. God is a triune being. So God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A lot of us who grew up in church, um, we weren't taught well about the Holy Spirit. We were taught well about the Father and about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is kind of like this other guy. I remember our first series on the Holy Spirit back in Shady Grove. It was called The Other Guy. Right? We might have to bring that back. And then we named one Fresh Water, and, and, and we, we have all these different, yeah, yeah. Fred, you remember Fresh Water? That was during COVID. That thing was awesome. It was awesome. And so anyway, Fresh Water, dig, dig. Y'all remember that one? Dig. You got to dig. Dig. That was, man, I preached that thing like the devil. I was digging on the devil's head. Dig. Dig. That was so good. Come on, now dig. Y'all got to go back and watch Fresh Water. I think it's archived. Just put Highlight Church Fresh Water. You'll pull it up. Anyway. Anyway. So um, he is king. He is three in one. Like, okay, so how, how does that make sense, Pastor? Joshua is uh, Joshua, father, pastor, husband. One person, three functions. God is 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Still the king that reigns over the spiritual and the physical realm. So when it comes to the spiritual realm, there are two primary players. Okay, go ahead and write this down. God and angelic beings. God and angelic beings. Let's deal with God. God is king. He's ruler. He's sovereign. He's in control. He is creator. And so Paul said this to Timothy, a young pastor in the city of Ephesus, a couple thousand years ago. He said this about God. He said, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one. Someone say unseen. unseen. The unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Someone say amen. 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 He is the eternal king, the unseen one. God is spirit, said our Lord. Number two, angelic beings. If you're taking notes, they were created by God. And their primary purpose when he first created them was to serve mankind. Um, And then they also have the purpose of worshiping God. But let's go ahead and give you a verse here. Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verse 14 says, Therefore angels are only servants, spirits. Someone say spirits. spirits. All right, there, there's that root word. They're spiritual spirits. So they're unseen. They're spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Another way to put that is that they've been sent to care for people who believe in Jesus. Um, they've been sent to serve us and to help us and to strengthen us. Um, it's, it's powerful. So he, he, a few things about angelic beings. Number one, they serve the Lord. Number two, they minister to mankind. Number three, they're messengers of God to man. So some of the, the good feelings you have, and oh my God, thank God spoke to me. Oh my God, I got a great idea. Oh my God, those are angels. You may not know it, but those are angels who are giving you those good ideas, who remind you that God loves you. God is for you. God is with you. Those are angels sent by God with a message for you to point you closer to Jesus, to keep you moving forward in your faith. They also are found in Scripture to carry out the judgment of God. Yeah. Some bad boys. And girls. I don't know. They don't have gender. I don't know. Don't get argumentative with me on that. I know my audience. But they don't. They, they don't. They don't, I don't want to get into all that. They, they don't per se have gender, which leads to a whole nother discussion. And anyway, so yeah, that can get real deep real quick, but we won't go there fully quite yet there. All right. So, um, so anyway, write this down. There is, this is important as we continue to get into spiritual warfare. There is angelic rank and position in the spiritual realm. There is angelic rank and position in the spiritual realm. And there are different types of angels, warrior angels, worshipers, and messengers. And within those types, there are ranks. There are generals, there are lieutenants, there are colonels, there are captains, there are privates. There are ranks because God has given them authority. Even God doesn't do everything by himself, even though he can. But there is rank. When Joshua was about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, this is such a powerful Um, insight into um, the rank and the position of the spiritual realm. I love this. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Some of you will stop and say, it's a man. 
Well, angels have the ability to manifest themselves into human form. And they still do to this day. Um, The author of Hebrews says that we entertain angels unaware. So it's important that we're kind and we're nice to everybody that we encounter because sometimes it's an angel. And the angel is then sent back to heaven to report that interaction that they had with you. Whether you had faith or whether you were ready to obey, whether you were rude, whether you were too tired to receive the promise or the blessing or the breakthrough. You got to be careful how you treat people because everyone's not human. Um, That's the word of y'all. Okay. Okay. All right. Can we celebrate that? Man, that preached good. That made me want to go outside and kiss everybody. But I'm married, so I can't do that. Be nice to everybody. That slip. <laughs> got to wake y'all up. I know it's a, it's a deep message, so I got to do that from time to time. When G, uh, G, Joshua, okay, Sanders, Joshua went up to him. Here it is. This is so good. I love this because Joshua was a stand-up guy. Are you friend or foe? Because I've been in a lot of battles and I'm tired. I don't know who you is. The angel said this, neither one. Stand down. Neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua's like, oh. (laughs) He fell to face on the ground in reverence. He didn't worship him. He just recognized that whether this angel is Jesus, which is a theophany, whether this is God or an angel, I'm going to respect that I'm in the presence of God. He bowed down, and it it says this here, I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? Because I know that we will win. As long as we obey you, as long as we worship you, as long as we serve you, there's nothing that can stop us. As long as we obey, worship, and serve the Lord. So I'm going to yield to God's authority. How can I serve you? Right? And so um, just powerful. Anyone remember um, your first email address if you're in your 20s or 30s? Oh, man. (laughs) The 1030 left the same way. Anyone show of hands? Do you remember your first email address? Um, maybe you're a teenager. You're still on your first one. I promise you it's going to change. You're going to be like, why did I ever do that? Okay. So some of y'all was like hot girl summer 05. Um, ride or die chick. Alive today. Something. I don't know. But it was, it was something. You know, it was something ratchet. So now you're in church and you're like, why did I ever lord? <laughs> so, Yeah. Mines was um, once was blind at, don't laugh, it's good, once was blind at AOL.com, y'all don't know about AOL, AOL, AOL started the game, you know, y'all Gmail now and all this other stuff, Um, but I named it that, I was 11 or 12 when I got my first email, I named it that because I had a great upbringing, um, I have not been shy of telling you my life story and my family situation, some of the brokenness and inconsistency there. Um, But what I will say is my mom, dad, and grandma took good care of me. And honestly, I was was a spoiled brat. So I I didn't experience anything bad. Um, And so I saw all that in my brothers and sisters. But when I was 11 or 12, I just felt like my eyes opened. Am am I the only one? Around that time, you feel like your eyes opened to just about everything and it's not all like coloring and playground and video games and sports and toys and barbies it's it's like whoa life is hard and i think the older i get the more harder it's going to become 
I can just recognize things, brokenness in my family, abuse, alcohol addiction, um, sickness, illness, disease, people dying early. Um, one of my cousins moved from California, and I saw him laying in the middle of our, our street with a bloody face because he was escaping gang activity in California. He moved down to Orlando only to get caught back in it. And I was 12 years old. I'm like, there's something not right. There's something inherently evil about this world. And the reason why I named uh, my first email um, Once Was Blind was because I felt like I had been lied to my whole life. And it's not that my parents were bad. They were just protecting me. It's just like I felt like it had all opened up. And I'm like, there's something bad about this world. And I don't think it started with humans. I was able to discern then that there's something deeper or there's more than what meets the eye. And it's true because I'll go ahead and write this down. Long ago, there was an angelic rebellion in the spiritual realm. There was an angelic rebellion in the spiritual realm. Evil was here before Adam and Eve. And so many people will debate, you know, or they will ask, why was the tree placed in the garden? I would argue because God is a fair and just God. And the truth of the matter is, is that evil was real. Um, and some people ask, well, did God create the angels pre-creation or when? Some people think day five or six. Because some people think that Satan possessed a serpent and talked to Eve. Others think that Satan had the ability to become a serpent and talk to Eve. Either way you put it, he was in the garden. And um, if you would read your Bible, in Genesis, he's a serpent. He's a snake. By the time we get to Revelation, he's a full-blown dragon. Because as the course of history has gone, he's only intensified his attack and his actions in the earth. Because he knows that his time is running short. So he has to cause as much havoc and dysfunction and brokenness in your life as possible because he knows what his judgment is. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this about Satan. He said that, um, he said that hell was created for Satan and his demons, not for mankind. And so when Jesus came and died for us, a lot of people ask, well, does God, why does God send people to hell? He does not. He sent Jesus to save us from hell. Hell was created for Satan and demons, not people. So he sent Jesus and he made salvation very easy by just saying, give, give me your life. I love you. Give me your life. So with that, Satan is judged and he's been wreaking havoc ever since. I want to give you context into Satan's story. I want to show you what initiated this angelic rebellion in heaven so, so many eons ago. We're going to go to Isaiah 14. And another reading you can do at home is Ezekiel 28. And it's funny because it's Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, and it's Ezekiel 28, 12 through 17. God's like, all I'm going to give this joker is six verses. <laughs> I ain't got time for him, but I'm going to tell you what happened. And we're, we're going to go here to Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. Y'all good? Yes. All right. It says this here about Satan, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born. He was anointed to just give us a little bit of insight. How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star? Another name for shining star is Lucifer, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. 
For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. A nickname for angel is star. All right. So Satan was saying, I, this is the essence of Satanism. It's not drinking blood and all that. That's part of it. But, but the, the very essence of Satanism is it's about me. Right, right, it's pride. And I, watch, watch what Satan was saying when he was in heaven. In the throne room of God. He was saying, I will rise. You're going to catch it. It says this here. I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above the other angels, God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Right? Instead, this is what God said. No, no, no. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead. Down to its lowest depths, that's hell, okay? Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? We're so far from Eden. Something's just not right. Is this the one? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? What the Bible is saying is that when Jesus comes back and he restores all things, there's going to be a point in which God is going to open all of our eyes. And he's going to reveal Satan to each of us. And we're going to be able to look at him and say, it was you. It was you who was behind the broken homes and the addiction and the death and the murder and the rape. And the genocides and the hunger and the abortions and the starvation, the abuse, the wars. It was you who was in that dictator's mind saying, start that war, do that. It, it was you. And we're going to look and be like, can't believe it was yo punk behind. It was you. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Someone say the word. The word. The word. God said, I'm going to give you a chance to see him one day. So you can just see what you were bamboozled by. All right. Jesus said this, Luke 10, verse 18. I love what Jesus said. He said, yes. He was talking to his disciples. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He said, I saw when the father kicked him out. It was quick. It was, Quickest thing I ever saw in my eternal, eternal being. Dad, father, Abba, father, what, what did you just do? He said, I saw him. I was there when he kicked him out. And so this is what Peter says now. So you see the creation, spiritual creation, right? You see Isaiah in the Old Testament. You see Jesus in the New Testament. Now you see the church age. Watch what Peter says to us today. Here it is. This is the church age. Stay alert. Someone say stay alert. Stay alert. Stay alert. Other translations say be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. So his name used to be Lucifer, which means morning star, because he beheld the face of God. He was the highest-ranking uh, angel in heaven. That's why you got to read Ezekiel 28. It tells you, God said, I created you with every precious stone in you. God said, I built you with pipes. Satan was the minister of music. He was the top angel. He was the toughest angel. He said, you, you are perfect in beauty. 
You're perfect in wisdom. And, but you looked in a mirror one day and you saw yourself and you said, I'm going to be like God. And that's what initiated the rebellion. It even says in Revelations chapter 12 that when, when God casted him out of heaven, that his tale of deception deceived one third of the heavenly host down to the earth. So not only was Satan cast down, but one third of all the angels were swept into the earth. And the Bible says that the heavenly hosts are innumerable. So we don't know how many demons are in the world. They cannot be numbered. But the Bible says he swept one third. And they're all under the command and the authority of Satan. And they're all assigned to our lives. The devil, the word devil means opposition or enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is not only an enemy of God. Go ahead and write this down. He is also an enemy of everything God loves. And that's you and I. So this has been my prayer all week. Is that you would, from this day on, until the Lord either calls you home or comes back before you die, that you would live with spiritual eyes. That the blinders, the Paul, before he was Paul, the great apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus. And he arrested and killed Christians until the scales, those demonic scales, were moved from his eyes. Then he became the greatest preacher, pastor, and apostle in the world when he encountered Jesus. I pray that the scales would be removed and that you would see that, yes, we're broken. Yes, we're imperfect. But really, it's the enemy who keeps trying to keep you bound and oppressed and down when God truly wants to free you and do amazing things through your life. Can we put our hands together for that? God God wants to free you. God wants to free you. I want to give you four ways the enemy operates. That's good. Okay, y'all ready? All right, number one, understand this about Satan. The enemy is covert and strategic. The word covert means he's disguised. He hides. He's covert and strategic. It says this in Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. It's not you against mom, you against dad, you against your boss. It is not. It's not you against people. It's not the Republicans against the Democrats. It's not that, guys. It is not that. This is what the word of God says. It says that, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen. Someone say unseen. Unseen Unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Real quick, if you're taking notes, I'm trying to fit a lot in in 30 minutes. There are three heavens. All right, the first heaven is where God resides. That is heaven where you're going to live um, before he renews the earth. The second heaven is space. The third, uh, let me do it. The third heaven is heaven. The second heaven is space. The first heaven is the sky that you see. So fallen angels, which are now demons, have authority and power within the first heaven, the one you see, the blue sky, and the second heaven, the, the vault, the, the space. They have authority. They have power in those areas. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to saying that there are demonic entities, authorities, evil spirits in heavenly places that preside over regions of nations. So Florida has a demonic entity. The DMV 
has a demonic entity. New York, California, because they're all ranks and positions. God gives us a little bit of this in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was praying for 21 days because God had given him a vision and he needed clarity on that vision. Have you been praying for something and it hasn't happened yet? Show of hands. You've been praying for something? Okay, I'm going to tell you why it hasn't happened yet. Um, After 21 days, the angel Michael comes through and he says, Daniel, God heard you day one. God heard you three years ago. God heard you five years ago. But you kept praying. You didn't quit praying. He said, let me tell you what happened, though. There was an angel coming with the message. This was a messenger angel coming with the message. But that messenger angel was being held up by the prince of Persia. The prince of Persia would not let him through. So he said, God sent me Michael, who was a warrior angel, to deal with the prince of Persia. And now your message has come. And a lot of you think that God isn't hearing you. I would argue that you haven't been praying long enough. He heard you since day one. But there's a demonic entity that holds, holds those angelic ministries up. There's an entity that, that drives policy, guys. It drives policy. You cannot go to the ballot box in this season and just say, just because I was raised Republican all my life, Judge, Republican, Republican, policies, Republican. You can't go and say, well, I was raised Democrat. I'm a liberal all my life and just straight. No, no, no. You need to be looking at the word of God and asking yourself, does this policy align with the word of God? Does, come on. Does this candidate align with the, does this candidate love Jesus? And I don't care if they're Democrat, independent or Republican. They're getting my vote. Because as the church, we're called to usher in the kingdom of heaven, not raise hell into the world. And so I really want you to be prayerful. I I think that this is an important election season. Someone asked the other day, we're the church. How should we be voting? We should be voting biblically. We should ask God, what do you think about it? Satan hides behind policy. God doesn't want more crime. God doesn't want to defund our police. It's crazy. Think about it. Who's behind it? For church history, Diocletian signed an edict and a policy that okayed for the killing and the murdering of Christians just a few years after Christ ascended into heaven. That was a political move based on policy. As it stands in America, I feel prophetically, go with me here. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to get too deep, but I feel God pressing. I feel like this kind of church, I think time's running out. I think in America, we got another 25 to 30 years to sit here in AC with our coffee, with our friends, with our family, and peacefully worship and be taught the word of God. But unless you vote according to the word of God, the angelic realm cannot move on your behalf and the demonic will have its way with the church. Because the first thing Satan is going to do is he's going to make this illegal. Then he's going to make this illegal. It's called the spirit of the Antichrist. So please, when you go to the ballot, you need to research. Yes. And you may need to consider changing your party because it's not what it used to be. Are we in the house? Yes. Are we in the house? Yes. All right. He is behind all the negativity and he influences the thinking of the world. 
So it's not you and your spouse. It's not you and your dad who was not there. If you're the Christian, you must employ spiritual tactics. So you got to forgive, actually. You got to wake up with gratitude so that fear and that heaviness isn't on you. You got to pray. We got to get into the word of God. There's spiritual tactics because the, the attack is spiritual in nature. Right? At, at, at every, at, within every problem, there's a spiritual solution at the root. Every problem. Health problem, spiritual problem, relational problem. There's always a spiritual solution at the root of it. All right. Number two, the enemy is an opportunist. He's an opportunist. He waits until you're vulnerable and you're weak. And he's coaching us and how to, how to quit, how to give up. He's an opportunist. He's waiting for you at home after a long day at work. He's waiting for you to fix that drink. Even though you want God to set you free. He's waiting on you to pick up that phone call and let him stay another night. He's waiting on you to, to, to yeah, cuss your boss out right now. This is the time. He, find, he said it again. He's an opportunist and it's him that's driving your flesh. He's taking your flesh and he's catching a free ride on your dysfunction. He's an opportunist. Number three, understand this. This is so important. The enemy is a liar and his greatest weapon is suggestion. You have to understand that. He's not showing up in a few days knocking, asking for candy. And he's not red with some horns and a tail and a pitchfork. That ain't him. That ain't him. He is unseen. And his greatest weapon is suggestion. Think about Eve. That was a suggestion, wasn't it? If you eat the fruit, you'll know just like God knows. Think about it. Think about Jesus when he was fasting. If you are the son, the Bible says in Luke 4 that he was hungry. So Satan shows up. If you are the son of God, turn these stone into bread. Suggestion. This is my question to you. What has Satan suggested to you recently? It's his greatest weapon. And so Jesus exposes his language to us in John 8, 44. Okay, let's read it. This is Jesus, our Lord, talking about Satan. Putting him on notice. Here it is. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar, the father of lies. Jesus saying there is no truth in him. So I want you to be encouraged. When, when the enemy tells you that you're not going to make it, what is true is the opposite. You will make it. When the enemy says you shouldn't have hope, you should have hope. When the enemy tells you you're not love, you are love. Because he speaks the language of lies. And if he's telling you something, that means the exact opposite is true. Understand something, guys, also. I'm sorry. I got so many bullets on this. I said, Lord, you need to reel it in. This is a lot. I need to let you know this, though. He influences us to disobey God, but never shows us the consequences of our disobedience. He tells us it's going to feel good and it's going to get you there and it's all about you. But he never shows us three, four, five, ten years down the road. He'll never show us how we got to, as a husband, how I got to sit my kids down and tell them, son, kids, daddy did this. The, the brokenness. Just catch him this week, okay? Understand, like, that's not me. I'm growing in my faith. I'm reading my word. I've come to God. That is not me. That's not God. Now I know who it is. 
Number four, the enemy accuses us before God and to our face. This is one of his greatest weapons as well. He harps on you when you mess up. It's not God. He amplifies the shame, the condemnation. He wears us out saying we're not good enough. And yeah, we did it again when we said we were not going to do it. It's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the devil. And he does that to keep you separated from the love and the grace of God. He does that so that when you get up in the morning on Sunday, you say, I'm going to go to church. And he'll tell you, you're not supposed to go to church. You know what you just did. He harps on that stuff. But I love the story in the book of Zechariah. God does show us some things in the word. Zechariah is a prophet. And he's leading spiritually in a time where God is calling the children of Israel to rebuild the temple, the place of worship. And God has chosen Jeshua, a lot of Joshua's in the Bible, (laughs) Jeshua to be the high priest. So this is a man of God who is broken. He is imperfect. Now watch Satan, who still has access to the throne room of God. This is how Satan does us when he's in God's presence. Let's, Zechariah chapter 3, it says this here, verse 1. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Someone say the angel. Pro tip, whenever you're studying your Bible and you see the angel, that is Jesus. Not an angel, but the angel. So he's standing before God the Father and Christ. Watch this. The accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing was filthy. That filth represents our sin. As he stood there before the angel. So the angel, the Lord. Someone say the angel. Someone say Jesus. Jesus. Here it is. So Jesus said this. He said, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sin. Now I'm giving you these fine clothes. Then I said, uh, then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. What I love about Jesus is, is that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you this a little bit more next week. But what I love about Jesus is that even when the enemy is pouring on that accusation, saying you're not good enough, and shame on you, God doesn't love you. Jesus is in the business of restoring us, giving us a fresh start. Given us his grace and his forgiveness and a new beginning. He loves us so much. There's nothing that the devil can do to separate you from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus.